0: Do you know what? There's a little more Christ in you than there was this morning. Because you've been living more in the divine and mystical realm today, probably more than any other day in your life. So we're just going to continue in this. The Lord is with us. He said, I am Emmanuel, God with you. And so... I'm sincere now. I'm not playing around with him. Like Paul said, we know him, but we haven't seen him. We love him, but we still have not seen him. So I sincerely, Lord, you are Emmanuel, God with us. You are here in the meeting. We'd like to welcome you to have the centrality And to have everything positive in this meeting, we want to tell you, Lord, we love you. And we're open for your word and for your uh, shepherding and care. Now, before we come to the outline of message two, I need to share with something that an experience we all need to have personally once we're beginning to realize where we are, we are in Christ, and Christ is in the Father. And so where He is, we are by being in Him. And, and the Father is in Christ the Son, and the Son as the Spirit, is in us. So we are in this realm, and we will realize it, but we're all going to find out, what do we do? I'm here, I have the desire in my heart to live here, but I don't know the next step, and you'll see why. And and so I'm going to introduce this matter by just sharing a little learning experience under the direct fellowship with Brother Lee in a church meeting way back in 1968, Yes, some of us were active and alive in 1968, and we're still active and alive in 2023. And so I had been in the Lord's recovery less than two years. So I was really a beginner. Whatever my theological training was irrelevant, it had nothing to do with what is real here. And then Brother Lee was h- having quite a lengthy time for us to just ask for fellowship on particular matters. And so the atmosphere was so pleasant Then I had an opportunity. I said, Brother Lee, I teach in a high school in the suburb of Los Angeles. And it's a very, very challenging high school. And what is taking place there?" And also, I have some very challenging classes because there was special education that is for those who had the lowest capacity and the lowest that had the highest capacity. So they're all quite challenging. And then I said, I don't know how I can be experiencing the Lord, how I can be one with the Lord while I'm teaching. So, Brother Lee gave a very brief response, and then immediately the spirit inwardly had another kind of response. So, I explained to him what I'm doing, and he said, Ron, outwardly, you are teaching. Inwardly, and he had just been emphasizing these four words. Inwardly, it's, oh, Lord, amen, Hallelujah. And so, that was it, outwardly. But then inwardly, the Spirit is indicating, Ron, what you need is to experience the dividing, the separating of soul and spirit in you. And because this is the reason, experientially, when I was teaching, or in any other employment that I had, because I was trained by hard-working people who got married during the depression, and one was a member of the family with 12 children, the other 11. Each one, one of the parents, had died. They just knew what hard life was. And I'm very thankful that they trained me to work. And to work diligently and faithfully. And so that was just in the human realm. It's nothing to brag about. It was just a fact. And so while I'm teaching, my whole being is active. And then after a few hours when there's a lunch break, then I can sit down. And then I don't have to worry about the next lesson what I'm going to say, how I'm going to handle these kids so I can exercise my spirit. And then I have to go back and for the next three hours I'm just fully surrounded by my soul in mind, in motion, and will. And so that's not living in the divine and mystical realm. It's in this realm. Now you're in this realm. Now you're back in this realm. It's it's back and forth and we're all the same so don't think there's anything wrong with you there's nothing wrong with you you're just in a certain stage of development and so the lord made it clear you need to experience personally what is in written down in hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 for the word of god is living and operative and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The point here is piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit. See, in our tripartite existence, obviously we have our physical body. Within our body is our soul. And then within our soul is our human spirit. So it's just these three circles. Body, soul, spirit. And so the spirit is just surrounded by the soul. And you have to use your mind, emotion, and will to live, to do what you need to do. But since there's no separation yet between the divine, between the the soul and the spirit, then while you are diligently studying or working, or whatever it is, with your mind taking the lead, but you also have feelings and your will needs to be exercised. But this, you're not having any contact with your spirit because the spirit is surrounded by your soul. But when you don't have to be doing that, like I just mentioned several minutes ago, then now, okay, I can set all that aside And now my soul will cooperate with my spirit because now I either want to sing a little bit or pray some or pray read or read the word. Then I go back the next three hours experientially. It's like there's no God. There's just me and the kids or whatever it is. And so this is a personal matter. But I've been considering this for off and on for the last few hours. That none of us would be worried about this. Please do not be subjective trying to uh, analyze yourself. We're all the same. But my suggestion is if you have the leading of the spirit within you and if you have the person, the, the feeling in your own person, you just may when you have an opportunity in the next few days just to pray, read parts of this verse and then simply pray something like this. Lord, I need to experience the dividing, the separation of my soul and my spirit. Lord, please do what you need to do and give me the experiences that I need to have this take place within me. Or something even much simpler. Lord, just do what you need to do with me to separate my soul from my spirit so I can live in these two realms simultaneously from now on. And then let it go. Don't worry about it. Don't examine yourself. Uh, Don't send me uh, an email saying, Brother Ron, have I experienced the dividing of soul and spirit. I will give you an answer. I'm not going to ignore anybody, but the answer may not be what you're hoping to receive. I would say the very fact that you're asking me to tell you whether or not you're experiencing it is an indicator that you're not yet experiencing it. Because when you're experiencing it, then you know you have experienced it, And then maybe you may send a different email or just a little message. Just saying, it happened, Ron. (laughs) It happened, Ron. My soul and spirit are functioning together. But they're separated. So simultaneously, I can use my mind. I can express feelings. I have to express joy. I have to express love. If necessary, I have to grieve. I'm a human being. I need to laugh. Sometimes I need to weep. This is human life. But at the same time, deep within, I'm in another realm. And I really felt I owed this to you. And so that's why, in our daily experience, even after these messages, we may think, Lord, I want to live in the divine and mystical realm I want to live in these two realms at once. But on Monday, it's another work day or a study day, whatever it is. And then for hours, it didn't happen. Lord, how come I wasn't in two realms at the same time? I really wanted to. Well, the Lord knows what's in your heart. And and I just want you to realize it's going to be a, a process taking place. But I also need, again, I owe it to you. I really do, that on the one side, we're just having daily, seemingly ordinary experiences when we're, pray, reading some, reading the Word, uh, absorbing the, the ministry, you know, in the morning, whatever the church is going through, and it's just like every day we are the necessary needs to drink water, healthy food, whatever it is. But we have to realize there are certain crucial, drastic experiences we need. And we shouldn't be afraid of them because they're necessary. Like Jacob, all those 20 years when he was just laboring for this one was so clever to take advantage of him. And finally he took off with all of his wives and children and animals. And then he thought, oh no, I I got word my brother's coming. And he told me 20 years ago, he's going to kill me because I I, I took away the blessing. And, And he's coming with more than 200 men. So what am I going to do? And so he he divided the ones in two different groups. And then during that night, there was a wrestling with the Lord all night long. And then just before dawn, the Lord knew exactly what to do. To just touch the strongest part of his being and dislocate it. That is the breaking of the outer man. And I cannot, probably never, can share the experience in any detail. But I knew this would happen to me. Sometime, somewhere, somehow. I, I, I told the Lord, I need this. And I'm asking you to do it. And there was just, during the early part of the night, July 30th, 1981, I didn't see, but the Lord came. Like he came to Jacob. And I knew he's going to do it. And my only request was, please don't kill me. And he didn't come to terminate me. He came to the breakthrough. And again... I'm sharing this just to point out that that from time to time there will be critical turns. Just when you were growing up, when you were 11 years old, and now you are 18 years old, what significant changes have taken place in your physical body? Then when you get married, wow, what, what a development that is, what a realm you are in, and so many things like this. And so the Lord, especially God our Father, once He knows that we are open to Him and sincerely can pray to Him, Lord, please do what you need to do with me that I may grow to maturity now. Lord, please give me the experiences that I need to have. To really grow in life, to be saved in life, to be trained to reign in life. And then just leave it with him. And just proceed day by day in as normal a way as possible. But then certain things will come. And this is the Lord doing what he needs to do. And then Romans 8 will become fresh and new And penetrating in all these things, God works together for good to those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. And so now, because as I've tried to make it clear, and as Brother Chris gave a very excellent summary, that based upon the truth in the Word, Based upon the revelation of the truth, and we could say, based upon also the objective aspect of the truth. That's the foundation. But the burden in me, day and night, everywhere, anywhere, is based upon the revealed truth. What's in my heart? I say again, it must become real to us. It just can't be a theory. Not only a doctrine, and Lord, and make it real by the experiences we need. We want this to actually happen. We don't want to just simply be talking about things that we know, that we learn, that we agree with, but just to say, Lord, as it, as I mentioned earlier, before, early in the morning at breakfast. Praying together, my counterpart and me, Lord, thank you for a new day, another day, a day of life. Lord, please supply me with today's measure of grace. I cannot live without grace. And Lord, just do what's on your heart, whatever it is. And I look back, you know what Jacob did In the last few hours of his life, before he prophesied over his sons, he was just looking back. And then he said, the Lord was shepherding me all the days of my life. All the things that happened, he was shepherding me. And so now we continue with what was from the first part of the experience of living in the divine and mystical realm of the consummated spirit and the pneumatic Christ. So point one. In the divine and mystical realm, we live a spontaneous and effortless Christian life according to the automatic function of the law of life. Well, what is the... The thought here, living in the divine and mystical realm is spontaneous and it's effortless. And I remember while I was still a student of theology in Princeton, just a friend, another student, happened to be a young woman, we were not men and women together, we were just friends. Friends. And she said, Ron, you need to be more spontaneous. It's like everything you do, it's like you're deliberate and thoughtful. And and okay, now, okay, ready, I'm going to do it. And she said, you just need to be more spontaneous. You, You know, you're just so deliberate. And so I listened to that and I tried to be spontaneous for the next day or two. Then I gave up. I can't be spontaneous. I don't have that kind of makeup. But the indwelling resurrected Christ, that life is spontaneous and it's effortless. If you are trying yourself, you're not in the divine and mystical realm. And when you realize that you're just trying, you're determined, and... uh, you're contrary to be spontaneous. You know, I'm going i I want to be very, very careful before I say anything. I'm going to just consider this before I pray anything. I'm going to plan out this. I don't want to make many, any mistakes. Well, eventually, you'll stop. Some of us are challenging cases. You know, it may take X number of time. But you'll realize in this realm, it's effortless. Why? Because the law of the spirit of life is functioning in me. Like, I'm not here. I'm not trying to, oh, I, I, I've got I, I, I to keep my heart beating. What am I going to do? I want, want to breathe in a normal way. What, what, what am I supposed to do? Nothing. It's the law of human life is just enabling all the, the parts of our body is functioning normally, and when it's done normally, we're not aware of it. It's when something is going wrong, then, oh, you've got a feeling, you've got a sense, uh, something is abnormal here. And so just this matter of, in this realm, we live a spontaneous and effortless Christian life, because the law of the divine life is operating in us. In other words, we just allow the divine life just to flow in us. Just to let it be and do whatever it wants to be. And then you will just be effortless and spontaneous. This is an aspect of living in this realm. Then the subpoints help us see a little... More details. The law of the spirit of life. Is the automatic. And spontaneous capacity. Of the triune goddess. Life in the believers. Remember. This is the triune God. Wasn't 608. This is one of the greatest hymns ever written. The triune God. He's everything. Listen. the, The triune God. Is in you. Right now. And the law of the life of the triune God, its capacity is unlimited. And the Lord was going to shepherd us in various ways until our inner being is just fully open to the indwelling triune God. And so that more and more things will be just effortless, spontaneous. And we'll just have more peace, more joy, more inner rest. We're not trying. We're not striving. We're not determined to do something. We're just very simple. Let's let God be God. Let's hit him. Let, let's allow him to be God. No triune God, you are in me. Just be who and what you are. Do whatever is in your heart. I'm an open vessel to you. And I'm saying this to him indirectly by talking to you right now as I'm standing here. Just flow. Just activate the law of the divine life. And even in giving this message, I'm not stressing, I'm not straining, I'm not trying. To tell you the truth, I don't know what the next sentence will be. I'm not looking inwardly in my head You know, I've got a screen. I've got to read the text on the screen. I'm I'm not the president of the United States. I I don't talk like that. Uh, That's not a political statement. That's just a statement. (laughs) And so, so it's not... It's just life that is so vigorous. It's so flowing. It's so refreshing. B, in essence... The law of life is God in Christ as the Spirit. Wow. God in Christ as the Spirit. It's in you, brother. You can say amen. amen. Okay. All the sisters in front of this group, when I say, is it triune God in you right now? Amen. Can you say amen. amen? He is. And he wants just to flow and supply, and care, and enlighten, marvelous. And in function, it has the capacity to make us God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead, and to constitute us with the members of the body of Christ with all kinds of functions. Now there may be some here in the meeting that never heard anyone talk about, oh, making us God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. Well, when you were born of your parents, they were human beings, right? Of course. Then were, were you not born with human life and human nature? You were. You don't have your your father's fatherhood when you get married and you become a dad you will have you will be their children's fatherhood. And so we are born of God God is actually our father we are his children. We are born of the spirit and therefore we don't have the position of God we don't have the godhead of God that's That's divine territory beyond us. But we have the life and nature of God. And here we're applying the truth of the high peak of the divine revelation. That God became man. That man may become God in life and nature. But not in the Godhead. And so, okay. Do you know that right now you're in the process of becoming light? First John 1.5 God is light. And then in Matthew the Lord said I am the the Lord said I am the light of the world. Then later he said you are the light of the world that you will become the same as I am in light. There will not just be light shining in you. Your being will be light. Anyone who has a A brief exchange in conversation. 15 or 20 seconds. Light will be shining. You're not aware of it. Because there's no self-awareness. There's just the inward sense. That we are becoming that. But not in the Godhead. And so this is how the members of the body are being constituted. With the process and consummated triune God, and now there are all kinds of functions. and here I need to point out something to you. to each one of you, though I'm speaking to all of you um, in my being, I'm talking to each one of you, you have a portion of Christ that no one else has or ever. Will. That's just a fact. You have a particular capacity that no one else has. We all are children born of God. We have the life and nature of God. But we all have certain characteristics, certain capacities, and and certain aspects of Christ into us that no one else has. That's why I'm going to match the time. I'm going to manage the time. So we have at least 25 minutes, maybe a couple of minutes more. And I just would hope, but don't don't worry, we're not going to point to anyone and say you're sitting there in the middle, but you you have the inner sense to come, don't you? Okay? I would just ask you to just stand up and gently come out of the the row where you're in. You may be a sister 16. You may be a sister 79. Only you have a particular portion. And when one by one, if you've spoken in one meeting, just don't come up again. Leave the time for others. Because we need your portion. And the Lord wants to make this real to you. Many, many years ago, I received a phone call from a particular sister. And she was so discouraged with herself and so disappointed. And she said, I think the church where you are can get along well without me. Probably would be better if I'm not here anymore. And I thought, Lord, I was young. I mean, I was still in my early 30s. I have some responsibility in the church. What am I going to say? And I just said, Sister, then I named her. And I said, yes, the church could go on without you. But the church is much better with you. And, and let's suppose something, something happened. Uh, let's just say that um, my two thumbs... You know they were broken. They were cut off. I don't have two thumbs. Well, I I, I can still speak. I can still stand and give messages. But I don't know how I'm going to tie my shoes without thumbs. How am I going to How am I going to hold a pen without thumbs? And so every part of the body is necessary. And every part of the body has a portion and a function that no other member has. And right now, in the name of the Lord, and based upon the victory of Christ over the enemy, I rebuke the enemy by saying, take your hands off all the members of the body and frustrating their function in the body. They have a portion that only they have. And it's going to be a an army of these brothers and sisters that are going to be the bridal army to destroy you at Armageddon. So we rebuke you in the name of the Lord. And so you just need to realize this. No matter where you are in growing in life, no matter what has been happening day by day, I, I need to end every day before I can lay down with my head on the pillow in peace, Lord, whatever I need to confess and clear up today, I want to end the day in peace with you. I'm not having personal, perfect days all the time. And I'm not trying to hide from the Lord. I want to come to him as I am and say, Lord, because I want to end this day With you as the reality of all the offerings. You're the God of peace. I just love you. And now just protect me during the night. Hope to see you in the morning. A new day has dawned. Because there's all kinds of functions. And there's... So we shouldn't measure by anyone else. I'm really emphasizing this. I had no... Thought before this in the last few minutes, but this is really in the Lord's heart. I want to repeat you have a portion that no one will ever have. And you will have a personal life that no one else will have. And you will have this in the context corporately of the church life, but still, it is your portion. And may the Lord just just remind you day by day. He wants to increase in you. He wants to make his home in your heart. He wants to permeate your whole being. And eventually, you know where you will be experientially? At the beginning of chapter 8 of Song of Songs. You will have become a Shulamite in chapter 6. You are the reproduction of the God-man, Lord Jesus. And you know how Song of Songs started? With a kiss. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Then at the beginning of chapter 8, I want to see you outside. That means I want to be outside of this body. I want to have a new body. When I'm outside of that, I'm going to kiss you. I'm looking forward what's going to happen when bride and bridegroom meet. We'll sing that hymn tomorrow. We don't know, but I'm pretty sure the Lord will not say, um, uh, Hello, I'd like to introduce myself. (laughs) I am the Lord Jesus Christ. And who are you? (laughs) It's going to be an hour sweet. Oh, don't you want to be there? I believe we just know from Song of Songs. When Brother Lee began the semi-annual trainings on the life study of the books, he began with Romans. And the first part of the first message was on the Bible is a book of divine romance. And so there's no portion on this. Maybe this should be another subject somewhere. Living in the divine and mystical realm is living in a divine romance with the Lord. And brothers, men, brothers, you're going to have to get used to it because when the Bible talks about sons or brothers, that includes all believers, male and female. But you're going to be part of a bride. So you're going to, get, you're going to have to find out how to be a female in relation to the one you're going to marry. But still, you're going to be a human body. What I'm trying to say is, this is the destiny. We know at the end of the great tribulation, he is coming visibly to the whole earth. But according to Revelation 14, and what is signified by Matthew 24, one taken, the other left, he's coming secretly out of love for his bride. And we know from Revelation 19, the Lord will say, come into the wedding feast. We're going to get married. And while the great tribulation is taking place three and a half years on the earth, these overcoming saints are now entered into the wedding feast. And then, about three and a half years later, the Lord would say, um, well, just come with me. Where are we going? Well, we're going to the earth. We're on earth. Armageddon. What are we going to do? We're going to have the final battle. Well, what, what, what should I put on? I have my wedding dress on. Then he may say, dear, your wedding dress is your uniform. Let's go and fight. To tell you the truth, this is actually going to happen. Don't you want to be there? And so, the way to being there is to experience in point C, the law of life functions in the divine and mystical realm of the pneumatic Christ. So when you're in this realm, the law is functioning effortlessly. And eventually you will become aware of it. As the Lord is shepherding you, he will make you aware of it. And you'll just abandon yourself. You won't hold anything back. And eventually you will you'll be able to open the depths of your being to him. Lord, I want to give you access to every part of my inner being. I want you to make your home and dwell in me. That verse, Christ is making his home in our heart, that's not a, a cottage, a summer cottage. He wants to live in your mind, in your thinking, in your imagination, in your memory. He wants to live In all of your emotion. He wants to live in your will. You'll still be you, but you'll be him. And he will still be him, but he will be you. And he's making his home in your heart. But you know the last verse, the last word in that verse? Do you remember? He's making his home in your heart through faith. So you don't feel it, you don't see it. But I'm going to say this on your behalf. When you put your head on your pillow sometime tonight, or some of you, it might be early morning. You're a night person, so maybe it'll be technically in the morning. You can put your head on the pillow and just say, Lord, thank you. Today, you've made more of your home in my heart. This just is wonderful prayer. Can okay, we proceed? Two. In the divine and mystical realm, We become divine and mystical persons. This is very similar to a section in point one. I'm aware of that. Because there we had to say we all need to become divine and mystical persons. But if I say amen to that, then how does that happen? So this word become is encouraging. It's a process. It's a process. So we are becoming divine and mystical persons living simultaneously in the physical realm and in the divine and mystical realm. Every believer in Christ should be a divine and mystical person. Our life should be be divine yet human. Not merely human, but mystically human. Everything in our living should be divine and mystical. Like the Lord Jesus, we should be those who are apparently physical, yet invisibly divine and mystical. The emphasis here is we're becoming this. And don't try to measure yourself. Some of you with children that were growing, and they want to know how tall they are, and you put them up against the wall, and, Daddy, Daddy, will, will you measure me today? Then in two days later, they want you to measure again. It's just take some time, and you will advance. So now we come to some other very crucial matters. Especially in point three. And and four. In the divine and mystical realm. We live in the kingdom of God. Which is not only a divine dominion. But also a realm of divine species. In which all. Uh, which are all the divine things. So physically we're in this room. Spiritually right now we are in the the kingdom of God in the way of life. We've been born into it. And this is also something that the Lord wants to make us inwardly aware of. I am living in the kingdom. Not just under the authority of the Lord, but I'm I'm in the divine and mystical realm. I'm one of the divine species. Before I was regenerated, we all know I was just an ordinary, fallen, sinful human being. But when I was regenerated, when when I was born of God, I became another species. Visibly, physically, I'm just the same, an ordinary human being. But we need to realize we're a different kind of species. And in our daily living, wherever it is, we're just surrounded by ordinary human beings. But outwardly, we're the same. To realize we are the divine species, that means we have the life and nature and characteristics of the triune God in God's economy. So it's a realm of this. And everyone in the realm, we're all of the same species. And this is eventually, step by step, is going to govern and direct all our relationships. And here I need to make a point about living in the reality of the body. And we all need this, but sisters in particular, because compared to brothers, they are deeper and more experiential. But because of that, they need to realize in the body of Christ, we have no direct relationships with any other member. What does that mean? All fellowship, all relationships are through Christ and with Christ and in Christ. There's not just natural relationships. This is very damaging in the church life. That some just form sort of like a clique. We're just similar. We have similar interests. But no... In in this species, we're all the same. No matter, again, it has to be thoroughly purified that we can honestly say, my love and my fellowship is the same for every kind of human being on the earth. Their race, their color, their age, whatever it is. We're all the same. We're in another realm, in the divine and mystical realm. There's no racism there. There's none of this thing thing that's been just wrecking this country in the last few years. And some of us, we just went through the 60s. We were just so thankful for the price that paid for many African Americans to open the way for justice and oneness. And what's going on? But here we can be the real testimony of no matter what we are outwardly we all are all the same species and we have the same love and respect for every member. There's no priority and all our relationships and all our fellowship are through Him. And so we realize everyone is not just so many came up I was sitting there and it was so joyful, people coming and just wanted to say something or greet or introduce themselves or ask a question, whatever it is. And it was just realizing one after another, a child of God. You know, and there's nothing I could do about it. And you may have a thought as soon as I mention it, and it's okay. But I was an only child. And that what could I, what could I do about it? I didn't want it. I didn't want it to be, and I might as well tell you, that, expose you just a little bit. You know, I wish I had a, I wish I had a sister, a younger sister. But I'll, I'll just expose the old man that was crucified. I said that. But I hope she would have some very beautiful friends, <laughs> so they could become a girlfriend. So talk about <laughs> a natural species. I know what it's like. And so now we come into the church and people are saying, Brother and sister. Brother and sister, I thought. Then eventually they realized I have all these brothers. I have all these sisters. And I'm a brother. Please don't think please don't have the, the the feeling that I'm different from you. I'm just older from you. You're my brother. Okay, I mean it. You're my brother. We have the same life and the same nature. How marvelous this is. So, God became man to enter into the human species, and man becomes God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead to enter into his species. We are. We're a unique species, God men. That's why I'll tell you this. I don't think it'll actually happen, but I remember shared this with my daughter because we can just have delightful exchanges about things like this. I said that if, you know, if I just meet some person, and then if I say physically, it is a, a male, then I use the pronoun he, and then this person says, please don't call me a he. Call me a she or call me a they. Because even though this is what I look like, this is what I've decided I am. I said, okay, I'm going to honor that. But then this is what I would like to tell them. And that uh, you, you helped me. You helped me make clear to know, you know, what your gender is. And would you please do the same for me on my behalf? Would you say, what is it? I want you to call me Godman Ron. We're another species, God, man, so-and-so, because we are. I don't think the Lord will let me do it, (laughs) just because, you know, whenever something I can think of this up, he usually uh, terminates it. (laughs) And uh, that's, that's fine with me. B, in order to enter into the divine and mystical realm, the realm of the divine species, We need to be born of God to have the life and the divine nature. This has happened when you were born, you had the life and nature. And so, when your first child is born, you've got an infant, but that little being has the same life and nature as you. We've been born of God, we have the life and nature of God, but nothing of the Godhead itself. One, all the children of God are in the divine realm of the divine species. All of us are in this realm. Whether people realize it or not, we are in this realm together. We, the believers in Christ and the children of God, have the reality of the divine life. And we are being transformed and conformed to the Lord's image. In our entire being. So we're all familiar with 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all with unveiled face. Behold and reflect the glory of the Lord. We're all being transformed from glory to glory. Even as from the Lord's spirit. But we also need to be impressed with Romans 8.29. Because that is the goal. We are being conformed to the image Of the firstborn Son of God. When we are together as the corporate New Jerusalem, the wife of the redeeming God, a corporate person, and the new heaven and the new earth, we will all be matured sons of God expressing Him, but we all will have our identity. And so you're not going to lose your identity. You were created. Then you were regenerated, you're being transformed, and now we are all expressing the process and consummated triune God shining through us. But we're not just all you know, Jasper, there's no personality here. We'll identify one another. We may say, When was the last time I saw you? Well, it was in Austin, Texas. Oh, yeah. But here we are. This is actually going to happen. The Lord's going to come back. There's going to be a thousand-year kingdom. There will be the last battle against the enemy. Then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to be there forever. And after we've been there for 17 billion years, the Lord will say, I'm making all things new. There's no repetition. Anyway, every once in a while, I'd like to have a kind of spiritual dream about this. I mean, you know, just, just when you're, you're, you're older, this is going to be a positive side. They're not, they're not going to live in the past and live in memories. That's what older people do. Young people live in their imagination of the future, older people tend to live in their memories. But I'd like to live governed by the vision of the future. Wow, what a marvelous future we have. We're going to get married and we're going to be lived, married happily ever after. Now, a very different matter is in point four. In the divine and mystical realm, we live a life of truthfulness. As the expression of the revealed divine truth reality live a life of truthfulness and I'd like to find these two verses from 2nd John and 3rd John there's just one number there's not two because there's just one chapter there but here is 2nd John 1 and 3 2nd no, John 1 The elder to the chosen lady and to her children, whom I love in truthfulness, and not only I, but also all those who know the truth. I love you in truthfulness. This touches me very much in this age, even if some are saying, there's no such thing as truth. You want to tell me there's no such thing as truth? Okay, then what you just said, there's no such thing as truth. It's not true. Okay, so why don't you just uh, shut up. (laughs) When it comes to that, when it comes to that. So to love in truthfulness, you ever consider this? What is it? Love in truthfulness. This is a characteristic of the divine and mystical realm. We not just love one another, but it's all genuine. It's sincere. It's real. And it's the same I love in truthfulness. And then we go to third one one. the elder to Gaius, the beloved, whom I love in truthfulness. I'm not suggesting we try to just walk around saying this to one another. But it's in me right now. And there's a prayer going up and a prayer coming down from the Lord interceding for us right now. That as we're just having contact with one another, you just have the sense, I love you in truthfulness. It's not just words. And people can have the sense... This this is sincere. This is real. I can just sense it. I've never encountered this before. And when I'm just referring to some reason if there's a a brother and sister, the Lord had led them to come together to to see if the Lord is going to bring them together in marriage, so they're having a you know, a time together. And, and I'm just old-fashioned. I think men should be men. There is a time then they should take the lead in the proper way to open the way for the, the sister to open up and at the right time to say, Dear, I love you. I love you in truthfulness. Okay, now you're saying this to a sister whose is discernment is so penetrating, she can see right through you. So now she realizes this really is truthfulness. I can just sense it, and now I can echo, dear, I love you in truthfulness. And just from time to time, when I've had fellowship with young people, they just want to have fellowship about Preparing yourself for marriage and for what leads up to it. I said, Here is one sign that this is really love and truthfulness. This will be your inner experience. You'll be able to say, The more I love the Lord, the more I love you. The more I love you, the more I love the Lord. Because it's the same love. And may the Lord in the near future bring hundreds of brothers and sisters together in this mutual love and truthfulness. We need to have more and more married couples like this, even of all ages. Even if there's one who's a, who's the one you were married has passed away. Well, we have to see what is in the Father's heart. And I know a brother who just wrote to me about this. I knew him. And I, and I knew what his, his wife was incurably ill. And then he wrote to me and just shared that he's gone. And two months later, he wrote what he's going through. And I owed him, you know, transparent fellowship. And I had to say that Your dear wife is now in paradise. She finished her course. But you have not finished your course. I didn't want to say too much. But the Lord may have in his heart another companion for you. Whatever it is. And the underlying thought here is it's love and truthfulness. In the midst of this age Maybe there's some exceptions, but I don't trust the talk of any politician. But here we're in the divine and mystical realm, a realm of truthfulness and love and truthfulness. So here are the sub points. Truthfulness denotes the revealed divine reality becoming our genuineness, and sincerity. I'm gonna pause here. Isn't this touching? Truthfulness. So the divine reality is revealed and then it becomes your genuineness and sincerity. It's rare. Where you work or you're in a the university classes probably starting maybe next week or quite soon so many around you. You just sense, is anyone transparent? Is anyone real? Is anyone genuine? And here you are, becoming gentle, gen, uh, genuineness and sincerity that we may live a life that corresponds with the divine light. You read First John again. It says, the Lord is light of life, and the life is the light of men that shines in the darkness. And when the light came, he came to his own people. So the context is about life. But those who received him, they were born of God, to become children of God. They received light. And then in John 12, he said, I am the light of the world, and you are sons of light. And our being is going to be light. This is an attribute of God. We're becoming God in life and nature. You are going to be light itself. And along with light itself will be love itself. And what kind of wonderful person this is. And the Lord is going to fill the churches all over the earth with brothers and sisters, with love and truthfulness. B, a long statement... I'll just read it through, but with care. The divine reality in Christ as the reality of all the offerings for the worship of God and as the fountain of living water, the life-giving spirit partaken of and drunk by us, his believers, to be the reality within us which becomes our genuineness and sincerity in which we worship the Father as He seeks according to what He is for thousands of years. And the Father is still waiting for genuine worshipers. Not just the genuine worship, the persons. Genuine worship through the Father. And so when the divine reality is being wrought into us, then it becomes our genuineness and sincerity. This will be an anti testimony to the entire culture that we're living in. That we are another species. We're divine. We are human. We are genuine, we are sincere in all that we do, in everything. It's so touching. When I came into the Lord's recovery eventually, that I just met some mature saints that were like this, with Brother Lee and his wife and some others. And one elder brother, an older Chinese brother, who knew Brother Nee personally and was a faithful elder in Los Angeles. And I was serving and I one just wanted to have some brief fellowship with him. I said, Brother Chang, I think I'm beginning to experience this. Then he was a kind of one-sentence speaker. This one sentence he said, Ron, the Lord will gain you. That's all. He didn't say yes or no. The Lord will gain you. And, and just be in a realm where everything is real, genuine and sincere. What a church life this is because we're all learning to live in the divine and mystical realm. And now it's, what? it's 8.36, four or five minutes. There'll be plenty of time. For you, whoever the you is, to follow the inner sense, to come to the microphone and exercise your spirit, the Lord might give you the first sentence. But I assure you, when you start to speak after that sentence in faith, the river of water of life will flow out of you. And we will drink of the water from your spirit. Remember, you have a portion of Christ that no one else has. But there's no, no requirement that now you've got to do it or you're a failure. No. You just follow the inner sense. Five. In the divine and mystical realm, we are mingled with the triune God for the keeping of oneness. This is a powerful testimony. Our oneness. In the midst of this age, so much hatred and violence, but just our being corporately, the genuine oneness with every and all believers. We don't have to have the same belief in certain doctrines, but we all have the same life and nature. We've all been born of God. We've all been redeemed. We're all in the process of growing in life. And we just receive one another in love. And as a genuine local church, we're on the ground of oneness. But our stand here, we happen to be in Austin, is that the Church of God in Austin includes all the believers in this city. Whether you don't know about us, whether you're in a denomination, whatever it is, it's not just us who's here. It's all the believers And we welcome you to enter into this oneness, the keeping of oneness. That is why we don't have a name, we don't have a designation. One very clever brother was asked, well, what church do you go to? What church do you go to? And the one asking already told him, you know, what denomination or individual group he was. And the brother answered, uh, Okay, I'll tell you the the. <laughs> Wait a minute! I asked you what church you go to. I'm answering it. The. <laughs> okay, then you have to explain. There's no names. You read Revelation two and three. The Lord is speaking through the messenger, through each of the church, through the church in the church in. You're the church of God. In the city where you live. And and our testimony is. The oneness. This is the testimony to the whole universe. The genuine oneness. With all the things that have proceeded up until now. Issues in this. And we keep it. The enemy will try in different ways to break it through. But we will not allow him. We're going to maintain the oneness, different dispositions, whatever it is. But we are all children of God with the same life and nature. We all have God as Christ as the Spirit making his home in us. And we are living in oneness in the divine and mystical realm. It's the realm of oneness. The real oneness is in the triune God. The oneness of the believers is actually the oneness of the triune God itself. So, actually, listen carefully. Now, in the church life, we're a four in one. The Godhead is three in one, it's unchangeable. But when the three, Father, Son, and Spirit, are in us and become one with us, then we're the four. That makes us four in one, experiential. This is just what we are in our nature. And the Lord, actually, He sent Brother Ni here. You know, He was born in northern China, but He came here. And I can take a minute or two as a testimony back in 1973. I went with many others to a conference in a church in Ohio somewhere. In a Saturday meeting, many of us were invited to be at the home of a certain family just to have some fellowship and some nourishing light food. And I was sitting close to Brother Lee, and there's this older sister across him, and, and others were nearby, and he was eating cheese and crackers. And she was curious, she said, Brother Lee, you're eating cheese and crackers. I thought Chinese people didn't eat cheese. And he looked at her and he said, I'm not Chinese. (laughs) He wasn't. Of course he has the complexion. Of course he has you know the way of speaking English. But in his being, and he didn't become an American. I hope when I grow up in life, if I'm in Europe and they're just feeding me a particular kind of food, I'm not going to try to imitate. You say, I thought Americans didn't eat that. Anybody be able to say, I'm not an American. I'm not a German. I'm a God man. That's what we all are. So it is only in the triune God that we can be perfected to be one. So we have the oneness, but the oneness has to be developed until it's perfect. And the Lord prayed for this the night before he died. And at the end of that prayer, he said, may we be one in the glory of God. And this oneness means Everyone is expressing Christ. There's no expression of the self in anyone any longer. And that is the highest oneness in the glory of God. And we are proceeding in this generation, in this direction. And it's advancing. I haven't been here for four years. I don't say things to flatter people. I'm not a politician. I don't say nice things so people will... Agree with me or something else. But I can honestly say, there's much more glory of God manifested in this meeting than there was when we gathered the churches from this central part of Texas four years ago. Because we're being transformed from glory to glory. So the oneness is being perfected. Be the genuine oneness is the mingling of the believers with the triune God. To have such a oneness, the believers must be in the triune God as a divine and mystical realm. So it's the realm of oneness. And so the oneness will be developed and perfected in the last point, in the last minute. There will be 25 minutes remaining. The believers are one with the triune God in the divine and mystical realm of the pneumatic Christ and the consummated spirit. So what in the divine and mystical realm? We live a spontaneous and effortless life. We become divine and mystical persons. We live in the kingdom of God as the realm of the divine species. We live a life of truthfulness and we are mingled with the triune God for the keeping of oneness. We are pressing on together. We're pressing on corporately. Now, is it okay to say please pray for 30 or 40 seconds with someone nearby? If you're not comfortable doing it, just sit and wait and then the brother will lead to come and share your it would be good to have maybe 25 of saints just to speak something one by one. So pray and then prophesy a little. Okay? Amen.